0: Dark places. Just do it. We got a great show playing for you here this week. My buddy and yours, Jimmy Haunted, is back on the show. This week we're talking about witches and werewolves and also news from the unknown.
1: This is Mr. Haunted for In Dark Places. Breaking News! This story is called Woman Hit in the Head with Turtle. Out of Daytona Beach, Florida. It's not unusual for rocks and other debris to crash through a windshield and injure a driver or a passenger. But a turtle? A 71-year-old woman riding with her daughter on Florida's Interstate 95 suffered a gashed forehead Wednesday when a turtle smashed through the windshield of their car, striking her with great force. The Daytona Beach News reports... The daughter pulled over and got help from another motorist. According to a 911 recording, both were surprised by what they found. There's a turtle in there, the man can be overheard saying. A turtle, the daughter exclaimed. An actual turtle. The gash drew a lot of blood, but the woman was not seriously hurt. The turtle was likely crossing the interstate and got knocked into the air by another vehicle. The turtle, on the other hand, had the best of luck. It just had a few scratches on its shell, and it was released back into the nearby woods. <laughs> Imagine a turtle going back to his little turtle friends. What happened to you, Johnny? You're not going to believe it.
0: Vehicles larger than Earth are hovering around Saturn? One thing we don't see within the mainstream UFO disclosure world are the many testimonies, stories, and experiences that several high-level space and defense scientists have retold through the years. The mainstream has been relaying to the public that military encounters with UFOs have been occurring and are real. Yet they continue to ignore the testimony of some very interesting people who would have some knowledge regarding the nature of the phenomenon, including many high-ranking military people who have spoken out over a period of many decades. In his book, The Ring Makers of Saturn, Norman Berggren provides photographic evidence taken by Voyager 1 and 2 space probes of what he refers to as large extraterrestrial vehicles. Sure, they may be something unexplainable and not extraterrestrial vehicles, but what's intriguing is his strong belief that that's indeed what they are. It begs the question, how does he know? Has he seen more information from beyond the photographic data presented in his book? According to him, existence of extraterrestrial space vehicles of enormous size and power is a fact, the significance of which is difficult to grasp, let alone assess. He documents how strange luminous sources seen around Saturn have been a common theme throughout the history of astronomy. Luminous sources at Saturn have been observed notably by Herschel, Knight, and Ancety? In one instance, a fiery source moves suddenly away from the a ring outer edge. In another unrelated instance, a bright elongated source pursuing a straight line course entered the A ring outer edge. After these dramatic events, luminous sources did not become a specific subject of inquiry as might be expected, that is, until this analysis many years later. The luminous sources, or extraterrestrial vehicles, Bergeron is alluding to are huge. Saturn's rings alone are dozens of Earth diameters wide. Some of his pictures seem to show unidentified objects that seem to be bigger than the planet Earth. According to him, they are proliferating as time goes on. What's interesting about these claims and Bergeron's background is that he's not The only one making such unimaginable claims. There are others with credible backgrounds doing the same thing and have been doing the same thing for decades. Shame on them. Hey, Jimmy, how's it going?
1: Junebug, I'm happier than the Mongolian buffalo headed mountain goat skipping rocks off a serene mountain lake in the Antwerp, Belgium area, while he's belting out the 1985 Manolo hit, Copacabana, much to the dismay of his neighboring mountain creatures.
0: (laughs) He's disturbing the neighborhood up there. Enough (laughs) of that. He's ruining everybody's life. (laughs) So, how are you? I'm great. Good. Sleepy day. I've just been wanting to take a nap all day. So, uh, you know what? (laughs) What's up? What are we going to be talking about this week? We've got Witches and
1: Werewolves. Witches and Werewolves. And you know what I have in addition to Witches and Werewolves? (laughs) What's that? Breaking news! Oh, wow. Just came across my desk. (laughs) So, did you hear about these rare Pokemon Oreos that are selling for thousands of dollars on eBay? (laughs) No, I've not heard about that. These new Pokemon Oreos are giving fans something to get excited about and providing collectors with a new avenue to potentially rake in thousands of dollars. Launched earlier this month, the new Oreo X Pokemon collaboration features this brand's traditional sandwich cookies, but this time emblazoned with one of 16 Pokemon or pocket monsters for the uh, uninitiated. Each pack includes a random selection of cookies that feature classic characters like Pikachu, Charmander, but also one extremely rare Pokemon, the mythical Mew. And and as long been the case with rare Pokemon cards, the rarest Pokemon cookie of all has been a a hot commodity. So people didn't know that this was going to be a rare cookie, so people were eating all the cookies, and little did they know, an uh, eBay search yields dozens of these Mew Oreo cookies for sale, prices listed anywhere from $50 to $10,000 to $100,000. <laughs> some, some list it, they, they promise it as a mint condition cookie. And one, <laughs> one claims the cookie was only handled with tongs, while others include uh, photos showing the snack tucked safely in a plastic baggie. Judged from the items listed as sold, a number of the cookies have gone for as low as a few dollars and some more than
0: $15,000. That's crazy. I actually saw those at Walmart one night, but I didn't know they were actual characters yeah. on the on the cookies, so that's neat. <laughs> you might have just
1: passed by $15,000.
0: <laughs> I wonder how long it'll take them to get moldy.
1: And that story is for our friends, uh, Dylan and Cousin Leo,
0: right there. Hey, Dylan and Leo. What's up? So, witches and werewolves, that makes me think of like a band name. Thank you, Chicago. I thought that was a cool name. Yeah, that's great. You know, I was telling you earlier
1: that um, we we decided amongst ourselves that I'd kind of concentrate on the witches and you do the werewolves. We don't cross over each other. And... Uh, I said, I didn't even look up the meaning of witch. <laughs> I'm assuming everybody knows what a witch is, but I looked it up. And it's kind of funny. Um, it's a woman who is thought to have magic powers, um, a person who practices magic as part of her religion, and uh, informal, a very unpleasant woman. Example, her mother-in-law is a bitter old witch.
0: <laughs> so these are stories that have to do with those uh, definitions. And a werewolf, in case people are not familiar with that, (laughs) is a creature in legend and folklore, or so we are told, that can change its shape between that of a man and of a wolf. The name comes from the old Saxon word were, which means man. So man-wolf originally meant someone who is strong or powerful. The meaning was later changed to describe someone who is ferocious in battle. The name usually is associated with someone who is under a spell, and who has been changed by black magic. Witches are a common companion of werewolves reveling in the evil magic that turns a man into a beast. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think we got to mention to the listeners what happened this week. Oh, yeah. Uh,
1: I was at work, and it's hard to talk sometimes when I'm at work, so I'll send you a voice message. And um, I was telling you uh, a werewolf fun fact that I remembered was that um, it's a folklore that if you were born on a Friday under a full moon, you're a werewolf. So I, I knew I was born on a Friday, so I looked back in the um, you know, the, the calendar uh, uh, on the Internet here, and I realized I was born under a full moon on a Friday, and I said, I'm a werewolf. I'm a werewolf, and one of my coworkers was. 50 feet away from me says you're not a werewolf (laughs) and you have it on the recording somewhere (laughs) and then i remember that there's i looked up werewolf facts like just 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 for some fun fact tidbits and um one of the uh folklore is if you're born on a friday under a full moon you're a werewolf and I knew I was born on a Friday, so I looked up back in the calendar. Guess who was born on a Friday under a full moon?
0: Yep. I'm a werewolf. I'm a werewolf. I was cracking up when I heard that. Yeah, I was getting corrected. <laughs> no, let me be happy, right?
1: I'm walking around work saying I'm a werewolf. Who
0: cares? <laughs> Do you have a longer uh, ring finger than your middle finger no that was uh, one of the fun things I, I will- came up with no I was thinking of uh, Jeff Foxworthy you might be a redneck so I, I might all be these- a werewolf if <laughs> if you had a thin membrane covering your face when you were born you might be a werewolf if you had a lot of hair when you were born you might be a werewolf. If you're the seventh son of the seventh son, you might be a werewolf.
1: You know, there are mornings where there's a full moon and I go outside and there's all like dead animals all over my yard. Wow. And, I, and I have circles under my eyes. I don't know. And I'm full, <laughs> I have a full belly. You could be a werewolf. I think. <laughs> I should, I should probably start sharing some stories, huh? Who was out of time? <laughs> I'll tell you a witch story. This one is called Hannah Cranna. Now this one is right up the street well, uh, right up the street from me in Monroe, Connecticut. And Hannah Cranna, whose real name was Hannah Hovey, she was known as the Wicked Witch of Monroe, and Hannah's husband... Uh, Joseph was out for a walk one day on their property, and he was very familiar with this property, obviously, but somehow just bloody died, just walked off a cliff, resulting in his death. So, rumors started around town that Hannah bewitched him, causing his accident. So, you figure most people wouldn't like being called a witch, but Hannah embraced the title. She, you know, she said, Yeah, I'm a witch. So, being a widow, She was never in need of food or firewood, since her neighbors believed that they would be blessed by providing her these things, and if they didn't, they would be cursed. So Hannah owned this large rooster named Old Boreas, which most believed that was her familiar. So after her rooster died, she felt that she would die soon also. and She told a neighbor, the spirits have called, and I will soon go to the great beyond. So she also had a final wish. She knew, because of the recent snowfall, that her body would be uh, transported to the nearby cemetery by sled. And if you go to the cemetery there, you can actually see the hill where she lived. It's very close by. So she instructed the neighbor, I don't want to be brought by a sled, but I want pallbearers to carry me all the way to the cemetery, or there will be trouble. And Hannah died the next day. And now they thought it was ridiculous to physically carry her all that way after all they believed that when she was alive she possessed great powers but she was now dead and couldn't hurt them anymore so they loaded her coffin onto a horse-drawn sled now on the way her coffin began to rattle and shake so much that it fell off and then they loaded it on again this time they secured it with chains the coffin started rattling and shaking violently enough to snap the chains and again fell off they finally decided to obey her wishes carry her the rest of the way. Hannah's house mysteriously burned down that day. And people say you could still hear Hannah's moans from her grave. And from the site where her house stood. Wow. Now that, there's also something strange about um, her, her gravestone. I don't have them with me. But there's two dates of death on her gravestone. And the legend says that Hannah cheated death. And lived another year. Until her death again You know it was 1859 And it says so she died in 1859 And then again in uh, 1860 That's so crazy it's interesting, interesting story
0: right there That's wild Thank you <laughs> Hannah Crana, Fofana. Hannah Cranna It <laughs> popped in my mind whenever you were saying it think of
1: that. You would have gotten cursed by her Junebug <laughs> You're skipping by her house singing that <laughs> <laughs> it, wouldn't, it wouldn't go well
0: Um, according to Greek mythology there was a wicked old king named Lycaon who lived before the great flood he was so cruel that Zeus supposedly came to earth to face Lycaon and make him explain himself Lycaon agreed and prepared a feast for Zeus so they could discuss the matter over dinner his special dish was the cooked body of a messenger whom Lycaon had killed earlier in the day. He wanted to trick Zeus and make him eat human flesh. Zeus caught on to the evil scheme and was outraged at Lycaon's cannibalism. <gasps> in a fit of anger, he turned the king and all the members of his court into wolves. They fled into the forest and remained there for the rest of their days. The only way to tell the difference between them and the actual wolves of the mountain was to look into their eyes, which remained human. This story seems to be where the legend of werewolves originated from. Wow, that's all the way back to Greek mythology. Um, you know what's
1: so weird about the um, werewolves? <laughs> I had no idea what to say. <laughs> <laughs> oh! About the names of these things that we... Like, you know, the maybe breaking news stories or this particular werewolf? Nobody's name is ever Jack Johnson. It's always these names that are so <laughs> hard to pronounce. Like, you know, if somebody got a Big Mac thrown at their face through drive through It's like, John Rice Miller Sobrowski. It's always some unpronounceable name. That's all. <laughs> That's the way it goes. Yeah. Hmm. Did you ever hear of Buck's Tomb? I have not. No. Well... Listeners, look this up uh, on the internet. There, Buck's Tomb um, is this large monument that was built to honor Colonel John Buck, who founded Bucksport, Maine, and it's a big giant monument. And there's a a, a shape of like a foot uh, on the stone. So the Colonel, who is also a Revolutionary War uh, hero, he might be more well known for his part of an alleged curse. Some say Colonel Buck sentenced a woman that he believed to be a witch to be hanged and her last words to the colonel were, I'm going to dance on your grave. Another version says the woman's son shouted at Buck, your tomb shall bear the mark of a witch's foot for all eternity. Yeah, another version claims the woman wasn't hanged but burned and during the fire Her lower leg came rolling out of the flames. That's terrifying. And landed at Colonel Buck's feet. Wow. So Colonel Buck um, died in 1785. And then it took 75 years. um, He had a little headstone. But 75 years later, they made this giant monument for him. And it was built. And gradually, the stain over time, which resembles a lower leg and foot, appeared on a statue, possibly as a reminder by the witch who cursed him. It's It's believed. The last accused witch was killed before the colonel was even born, so who knows. But you can look that up, and there's a foot on the stone from so really there.
0: That's creepy. Yeah. That one was in Maine, and I've got werewolves in Maine. <gasps> as far as cryptids in Maine, you hear a lot more about creatures like Bigfoot, but that doesn't mean there isn't something else out there. Maine has had its share of supposed werewolf activity, as early as 1857, according to reports, one of the first man-versus-wolf pack attacks happened just 20 miles outside Bangor, milk carrier, Mr. Mitchell. oh it's an easy name to pronounce. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Mitchell, the milk guy! <laughs> he was completing his daily deliveries on a horse-drawn wagon when the team of horses pulling the wagon was attacked. A pack of wolves tried to overtake the horses until Mr. Mitchell fired shots from his rifle into the pack. And then they decided to retreat into the woods. While this seemed like a random, unprovoked attack, stories soon began to grow, assuming the creatures were not entirely wolves at all and may be human-wolf hybrids or werewolves. In more recent history... There have been three stories of werewolves in Maine that have captivated the country. Most recently is the mystery beast discovered in 2006 and 2013. While identified as dog wolf hybrids, stirred up lots of speculation that they may be something a little more supernatural. The mystery beast found in Turner in 2006 was dead when it was found and the photo of the mystery beast in Wayne is all that we have from the 2013 sighting. There are other werewolf reports in the state, but many have no evidence or little credit. It should be mentioned that Maine author Stephen King has used werewolves as a subject for his cycle of werewolf stories set in Tarker's Mills, a fictional town in Maine. Does King know something we don't? I
2: don't know.
1: <laughs> you know, I've, I'm fascinated by these werewolf stories. This is how my mind works. I'm thinking about this poor Mr. Mitchell. <laughs> Listen, this poor Mr. Mitchell a milk guy, right? That's what he was. He delivered milk. How, how much of a markup could this poor guy, think about? The, think about what he needed to deliver his milk. He needed a truck or a sled, whatever it was. He needed a team of horses, like you said. They have to feed the horses. He had to buy the sled. He has to get paid for his time. He has milk bottles, you know. There's there's products he has to buy for his business. How much could this milk? And then in Maine is so um so rural. Like how many how many houses can you get to a day? And how much like how much do you get for that milk? Like that's what I'm worried about. (laughs) All that, you know what I mean?
0: (laughs) They don't seem to be worth the.
1: All that overhead—like how much is, is it? Like a five hundred dollars a gallon to make your week's pay? I'm worried about Mr. Mitchell and the Mitchell family. That's a dangerous off. line of work Poor Mr. Mitchell. It's <laughs> a lot of work. Oh, it's my turn, isn't it? Yep. Okay, I have a story about Stephen King in uh, Maine later too. Maybe.
0: Oh,
1: cool. Well, I'll tell you right now. Um, the, I, I, the, the ages don't line up exactly right for my my and my memory, and you'll understand why. But when I was a kid, because we were so poor, like we could, we couldn't go to Disney World or, or France or anywhere. We went to my mother's friend's house in Maine. That was our vacation, mm-hmm. and um, and I was a little kid, and it was next to the water. And I was a little kid, like I don't even know where it was. You know, I just went to the, I just knew it was in Maine. And this little kid that was obviously a local and he would, um, he was younger than me, but he was very friendly and his name was Owen. And uh, he'd come over every morning and, and I go hang out with Owen. We walked into town, we walked, there was a beach nearby and he was, he was a young kid. So he said, I have to check in with my sister. Um, you know, every so often say, you know, I'm okay, whatever, I went to the store whatever. So her name was Naomi. I remember this because it's only two friends I made, you know. There, and then later when I'm reading Stephen King book, it says, you know, Stephen King lives in Bangor, Maine, with his wife and children Owen and Naomi.
2: What?
1: I'm like, what are the odds? How many, how many Owen and Naomi's? That's weird. I'll never know if it's them or not.
0: <laughs> That's crazy. It makes you wonder.
1: Yeah. Oh, is it my okay. turn? Okay. Enough for that story. Um, Okay, this Jerry here of the Saint Omer Cemetery witch Hmm,
0: grave—I
1: have not me neither. That sounds scary. Located in Ashmore, Illinois, there is a grave in a ghost town cemetery that marks the death of a witch on a day that never existed. Hmm. Confused? Yeah, so am I. (laughs) <laughs> Driving through miles of county roads Through only cornfields You have to go through all these cornfields And then you'll find a gravel road That leads you to the town of St. Omer Or what's left of it This is just a big ghost town But the only thing left of this town Is the cemetery And the, this ghost town Might have been forgotten If not for the strange barns monument The subject of a local witch legend the Barnes gravestone consists of a ball on top of a pyre. And if you look that up, it's just, it looks like a bunch of, looks uh, like a campfire with like a, a, like a ball on top. And every other grave in the cemetery faces east to west, but the Barnes grave faces north to south. And that's not the only unique thing about it. Few people are buried here. Um, Marcus Barnes, his parents, Granville and Sarah, and his wife Caroline. This is where the tricky part. His wife's Carol, his wife Caroline's date of death could have never happened. It was, it's February thirty first, eighteen eighty two. <laughs> well, confusing. <laughs> so the story goes that Caroline Barnes was a witch, or at least accused of being one. She was hanged, burned, or buried alive, depending on who you ask. For her magical crimes. So the sphere on top of her tombstone. is They say it's actually a crystal ball. Which is said to glow on moonless nights. <laughs> it's the impossible. Creepy. It is creepy. I want to go. <laughs> uh, the impossible death. I would be terrified driving through cornfields. To a, a ghost town cemetery honestly though. It wouldn't be bad. I would. So this impossible death date Is actually a preventative measure. So the witch would never rise again on that death date, because it would never come. So, if you if it wasn't haunted before, it might be now, since secret rituals are carried out there in the dead of night. The crystal ball is frequently found with melted candle wax dried on top of it. What the heck's going on in St. Omer, <laughs> is what I'm
0: saying. Yeah, that's not good. Ashmore, Illinois. I was thinking that... Um, I don't remember. Me neither. <laughs> it's contagious. <laughs> this is what happened when we record late. <laughs> Talking
1: about Mr. Mitchell and Milkman. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, I was thinking that uh, maybe it had uh, came like after the fact that uh, people just assumed that she was a witch because it said she died on February 31st. So there was actual yeah theory behind
1: her. What a, what a creepy, uh, creepy uh, gravestone too.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. Some of the infamous werewolf cases from centuries ago were in fact serial killers, <gasps> and France had its fair share. In 1521, Frenchmen Pierre Bergotte and Michel Verdun—that John Johnson. <laughs> Allegedly, swore allegiance to the devil and claimed to have an ointment that turned them into wolves. After confessing to brutally hey, murdering, hey, hey Juba, yeah, do you know what? Do you know what? Do you know what pigs put on them when they turn
1: so they don't turn into a werewolf? What's that ointment?
2: Oh. <laughs> 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 sorry, guys, sorry. <laughs> <laughs>
0: after confessing to brutally murdering several children they were both burned to death at the stake burning was thought to be one of the few ways to kill a werewolf Giles Garnier known as the werewolf of Dole was another 16th century Frenchman who was a hermit living on the outskirts of his town with his wife his claim to fame was also an ointment or ointment. with werewolf morphing abilities. When children in the town started to go missing and turned up mutilated, the townspeople set off on a wolf hunt. They eventually decided Garnier was to blame. He confessed to being given an ointment by a demon that allowed him to turn into a wolf and said that he had slain and eaten at least four children. He, too, was burned to death at the state for his monstrous crimes.
1: Okay. I had to turn my mute on. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, I kept laughing at the oink man, and I had to turn it on. <laughs> <laughs> That's a little, little pig going to CBS. That's good for some oink. Holy mackerel. <laughs> It's taking a terrible turn. (laughs) Wow. It's terrifying. (laughs) Um, How about... Did you ever hear of the River Witch of Marietta and the Curse of Hex Hollow? I don't believe so. Let me tell you about it. So, located along Front Street in Marietta... Now, this is Marietta... um, Pennsylvania, not the, uh, Georgia, is the former house of Pennsylvania's most famous co-conspirators. Nellie Knoll, a.k.a. the River Witch, helped play a very key role in the murder of this Nelson Raymeier. <laughs> Nelson's neighbor, John Blymeier, had fallen on some very hard luck. He became convinced that someone had cast a hex on him. I put a spell on him. So he was also able to persuade two teenagers that they've also been hexed. And there was the reason for their failing crops. So this Mr. Blymeyer contacted several local witches and was uh, convinced that he had been hexed by someone near him. So they, they, they all got together and said, okay, you've always been hexed. So the trio then consulted with this Nellie Knoll as a last-ditch effort. For reasons that are still unknown, she told the men... ...that they had been hexed by the Witch of Raymeyer's Hollow... ...this guy named Nelson Raymeyer... ...in order to break the hex... ...she informed the men all they need to do... ...was to retrieve Raymeyer's spell book... ...and burn it... ...or get a lock of his hair... ...and bury it six feet in the ground... ...that's all you had to do!
0: (laughs) Seems simple enough...
1: ...how terrifying (laughs) is that? Like two little kids... ...you just gotta go into this guy's house... (laughs) The witch of <laughs> Raymeyer's Howard and get his spell book and a lock of his hair. <laughs> so the, the the man the men's plan eventually came to fruition after they murdered Nelson Raymeyer in his home. They were never able to retrieve the spell book, but his hair and the rest of him made it six feet underground. The ensuing murder trial made national news and was a media sensation. And to think all of this mayhem occurred due to Nellie Knoll, the River Witch of Marietta. And that's a historical story. There's more to it, but uh, more details, but that's a weird story. A lot of witches running around back then.
0: We should just change all their names to Mitchell whenever they get that weird last name.
1: Yeah, they're every (laughs) Mitchell. (laughs) How come all your stories are Mr. Mitchell? (laughs)
0: I've got one about the Bedberg werewolf in Bedburg, Germany. Oh. Peter Stube, a wealthy 15th century farmer in Bedburg, Germany, may be the most notorious werewolf of them all. According to folklore, he turned into a wolf-like creature at night and devoured many citizens of Bedberg. He was eventually blamed for the gruesome killings after being cornered by hunters. Who claimed they saw him shapeshift from a wolf to a human form? He experienced a grisly execution after confessing under torture to savagely killing animals, men, women, and children, and eating their remains. He also declared he owned an enchanted belt that gave him the power to transform into a wolf at will. Not surprisingly, the belt was never found. Peter's guilt is controversial since some people believe. He wasn't a killer, but the victim of a political witch hunt or perhaps a werewolf hunt. Either way, the circumstances surrounding his life and death stoked rampant fears at the time that werewolves were on the loose. I'm looking up this
1: story as, as you're telling it. And do, do you see the part about his left hand?
2: Hmm. No. Is this,
1: the, is this the guy that was from the 1500s? German, I think so. right? Yeah. So anyways, they said that this guy... Um, they said that he was known for um, having his. This is they all referred to his left hand as being missing, leaving only a stump. Later, this would be this would prove damning in his trial, as an alleged werewolf also had his left forepaw cut off during an attack.
2: Wow!
0: That Why would they the, not include that on the notes right? I, I don't know if it's the same guy.
1: <laughs> it almost made me cry seeing his little left forepaw <laughs> got cut off. <laughs>
0: That uh, seems to be an important detail of the story and they didn't include that but it's got to be him, it says 15th century farmer so that's that's crazy
1: it says in total he consumed 14 minors and two pregnant women including their unborn fetuses and concerning the unborn the guy says I ate their hearts panting hot and raw and described them as dainty morsels what a creeper Crazy guy. It's going to be very scary to go to sleep tonight, guys. It's going to nightmares. Very scary. You know, I'm going to save this one for last. I think. And this one here, this one's called the White Witch of Rose Hall. So according to the legend, the spirit of Annie Palmer haunts the grounds of Rose Hall Plantation near Montego Bay in Jamaica. And I like actually did a tour of this place. Um, not, not as a investigation, but just with the little you know touristy thing. But um, Annie was born in England to an English mother and Irish father, but spent most of her life in Haiti. When her parents died of yellow fever, she was brought up by a nanny who taught her witchcraft and voodoo. Annie later moved to Jamaica and married John Palmer, owner of the Rose Hall Plantation. Annie murdered John Palmer along with two subsequent husbands, And numerous male plantation slaves. And if a slave misbehaved, he would be killed and his head placed on the plantation, like the front steps of of the home, as a reminder to the hundreds of slaves that passed the house daily to behave. She was eventually murdered by a slave named Taku, or by by a guy named Mitchell. (laughs) And uh, Annie's tomb was meant to be sealed with a voodoo ritual that would have kept her spirit uh, in prison forever. However, the ritual was never completed, and Annie's Palmer ghost still roams free at Rose Hall. Witnesses claim to have seen Palmer's ghost riding her horse around the plantation. She is also frequently seen on the balcony. And a fun fact tidbit is Johnny Cash and June Carter owned a a property um, called the Cinnamon Hill Great House. In Jamaica, and spent a lot of time there. And he was uh, very fascinated by The Witch of Rose Hall, and he even wrote a song about it. And here it goes.
0: There's no song.
1: Here it goes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait a minute.
2: Here it is. On the island of Jamaica. Quite a long, long time ago At Rose Hall Plantation Where the ocean breezes blow Lived a girl named Annie Palmer The mistress of the place And the slaves all lived in fear to see A frown on Annie's face Where's your husband, Annie? Where's number two and three? Are they sleeping beneath the palms beside the Caribbean Sea? At night I hear you writing, and I hear your lovers call. And I still can feel your presence round the great house at Rose Hall. should ever go to see the great house at Rose Hall. There's expensive chairs and china and great paintings on the wall. They'll show you Annie's sitting room and the whipping post outside. But they won't let you see the room where Annie's husband's died. Where's your husband, Annie? Where's number two and three? Are they sleeping neath the palms beside the Caribbean Sea? At night I hear you riding, and I hear your lover's call, and I still can feel your presence round the great house at Rose Hall. In ancient
0: Rome, a servant named Mitchell. Was was one day on his on a walk with his host, and when he came upon a graveyard, the host suddenly took off his clothes, urinated around them in a circle, and transformed into a wolf. Immediately after the host, who was now wolf, ran off to the countryside toward a flock of grazing sheep. Mitchell could hardly believe his own eyes until a sheep owner said to him that his servant had injured a wolf with a pitchfork. The next day, Mitchell noticed a wound on the neck of his host. The wound mark on his neck was the exact same position where the pitchfork injured the wolf.
1: Wow. <laughs> Excuse me. I, I just, my, my mind totally, totally went somewhere else. Did you say in the beginning that this man just took off his clothes <laughs> and, and peed in a circle? <laughs>
0: That was... it seems kind of random, don't it? They're just out for a little stroll in the countryside. <laughs> We've all
1: done it, but never changed to a werewolf.
0: He probably turned to Mitchell and said, uh, "Hold on, just one minute here. I've got to pee." <laughs> and just started walking around in a circle.
2: <laughs> weird
1: hey, I've I've heard that people in the past, um, they they write their names in the snow. I've heard of people doing that. <laughs> the J was hard to make though because of the. Yeah, um, <laughs> I got I got one more for you here. This story right here is apparently a very famous one, and I just learned about it this year, like earlier this year. The witch of Yazoo. Hmm. Do you know about this one? No. Okay, this is amazing. The witch of Yazoo still haunts the Glenwood Cemetery in Yazoo City, Missouri. Legend has it, the woman, whose name is not known, lived on the Yazoo River and would lure fishermen in off the river and then torture them. So apparently, the the sheriff found some skeletons in the witch's shed one night, and he wanted answers. So the, the story goes, the witch fled, and a posse of deputies followed her into the swamp. When they caught up to her, she was sinking in quicksand of the swamp. As she sunk to her death, she swore to return in 20 years and burn the town to the ground. So she was buried in Glenwood Cemetery, and a chain was placed around her grave to keep her from coming back. The witch died on May twenty fifth, 1884. Guess what happened exactly 20 years later? (laughs) What's that? A great fire destroyed the town. Uh Uh-oh. It destroyed 200 homes and almost every business in uh, Yazoo City. The fire started at 8.30 a.m. and burned till 5 p.m. And uh, while the fire is said to have started in the kitchen, a young woman was preparing for her wedding, that's where the fire started and it spread throughout the town. Um, There also seemed to be a vengeful force at work. They said this thing destroyed 36 city blocks, this fire. So um, strange, fierce winds kicked up that day that led many to blame the witch. Witnesses say the flames leaped through the air as if driven by some supernatural force. And when the people of the city made it to the witch's grave later, the chain links were broken. And I guess there's a sign at the... um, there's a cultural center there somewhere in town, and it says on, uh, on May 25th, 1904, the Witch of Yazoo City broke out of these curious chain links surrounding her grave and burned
0: down Yazoo City. Oh, that's a great story. That's creepy. It's scary. <laughs> and stories like that are why we always had a fear of falling into quicksand when we were kids.
1: The Witch of Yazoo.
0: <laughs> that's a good one. Thank you. I think uh, I have one more as well. All right. This one is from Norway, and Norway and Iceland share a common mythology known as Norse mythology. (laughs) Mitchell. (laughs) (laughs) Mitchell. (laughs) (laughs) Norse mythology is composed of sagas. When it comes to werewolfism, The Mitchell saga from the 13th century particularly stands apart. Werewolf-related stories have a prominent presence in this saga. The most famous werewolf story is about a father and son, Sigmund and Mitchell, oddly enough. (laughs) While wandering in the woods, Sigmund and Mitchell come upon a hut where they find two spellbound Wolf pelts. If put on, either pelt will turn a man into a wolf, and the person will possess the power, cunningness, and valor of wolves. But once on, the pelt can only be removed on the tenth day. Having put on the pelts, Sigmund and Mitchell turn into wolves and begin wandering about the forest together. Before they split up, they agreed to howl to each other. If either of them encounters seven men to fight at a time, I don't know why it would be seven men, (laughs) but Mitchell, (laughs) Mitchell, the son breaches the agreement and he kills 11 men at one time. Angered Sigmund fatally injures his son, but then a Raven, the messenger of Odin brings a healing leaf to place on Mitchell's wound. After Mitchell becomes healed from his injury, he and his father take off the enchanted wolf pelts as the 10th day arrived. They burned the pelts to ashes and freed themselves from the curse of the werewolf.
1: You know what I picture with those the werewolf pelts? My favorite book as a kid was uh, Where the Wild Things Are. Oh, yeah. Remember Max put on his wolf suit? Yeah. <laughs> I love that book. <laughs> it's funny because when you're, when you're reading that story, I was typing in a werewolf just to see if I could find some fun fact tidbit. And it says how to play werewolf. So I immediately click on it. And I thought it was a, a game that we could play. But it's <laughs> something you, you got to buy. But it says, um, it, it's funny because you're talking about why is it seven? This, this game says you have to gather players. It said werewolf is a great party game. You need at least seven people to play gather up your village, and let's set up your character deck. I guess it's a card game.
0: But I want to play werewolf. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so it my sounds fun. It's funny that it's seven people. odd. doesn't yeah. have a significance to the werewolf stories. Uh, did you know that there's a few cures for the werewolf curse? I didn't know there's a few cures. How can we get cured by being a werewolf? Some say the curse can be removed by a priest. Some say it can be removed by the tears of a loved one and others by a potion made from the herb wolf's vein. Ah, that's where I get that from. The only real method of release is said to be to kill the creature and burn its body. When doing this, you have to be careful and not breathe in the smoke from the burning body because that will pass the curse onto you. You know what's weird about these,
1: um, this folklore and stuff It's like, you know, it's like, are vampires real or werewolves real or, or, you know, it's big, but they have a definition. Like in in the dictionary, it says a werewolf is a man who turns into a wolf at night and devours animals, people, or corpses, but returns to human form by day. Like It's it's an actual thing. It doesn't say it's a fake thing.
0: Yeah, it makes you wonder about all the dogman reports and stuff like that, too. If uh, They were actually people and they have been turned into wolves.
1: You know what a good story is? that the, the Beast of Bray Road. Oh, yeah, that's crazy. That's got, that might be a werewolf, right? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. You know what? What's up, man? I have a story, Junebug. I went off the charts, and I got a werewolf story.
0: Hey, cool.
1: <laughs> I call this one The Beast of Bray Road. <laughs> this is out of Wisconsin.
0: I've heard of this one.
1: So a hairy humanoid with canine features... The Beast of Bray Road has been sighted in Wisconsin, dating back to 1936, on a rural road outside of Elkhorn. Most recent sightings, in the 80s and 90s, place the creature in Racine, Walworth, and Jefferson counties. Those who have seen the Beast describe him as eating or hunting or scavenging. Also known as man-wolf, bear-wolf, or indigenous dog-man, it is said to be around six feet tall with gray and brown fur. Its face resembles that of a wolf with shiny yellow eyes and pointed ears. Its body, though furry, looks like a muscular man. The creature is said to run and walk on all four of its legs, or just its hind legs, and has uh, been spied sitting on its haunches and kneeling like a man. Some believe it is a werewolf, others that it's a Bigfoot, and some believe it is a yet identified species. Though... It's never attacked anyone. Someone witnesses claim claimed that it has acted aggressively, running at them and jumping at their vehicles. The Beast of Bray Road.
0: That's scary stuff. I've seen a bunch of documentaries and stuff on that. I'd like to go check that one out. Yeah, that's on my bucket list. I've got one more famous werewolf. The Loop Guru. <gasps> Although classified as a werewolf, the Loop Guru is a bit more complicated. The name certainly means werewolf in French, meaning wolf, and guru. Being a Frankish word, that means man-wolf. However, the name and the spelling sometimes differ. In many cases, it is "ruguru." Descriptions are different too. Sometimes it is a wolf-like creature, and sometimes it is a man with only the head of a wolf. Its powers tend to vary. Sometimes it hunts like a wolf, killing those it meets, while in other stories it behaves more like a vampire, drinking blood from its victims, who then become werewolves too. In some cases, individuals can be transformed into werewolves by the bite of a maguru, but only remain so for 101 days, during which time they must drink blood and pass on the curse. In the greater New Orleans area of Louisiana, it is believed that the guru will only attack Catholics who have broken their Lenten vows and that the only way to become such a monster is to miss the Lenten mass for seven years. There are other descriptions of the guru however, which have nothing to do with wolves. One has it depicted as a headless horseman and other as a witch-like creature. Although belief in the creature is thought to have originated among French settlers in America, it is known that some Native American Indian tribes, particularly the Alagoquan and Ojibwa, believed in something similar before the European settlers came. These, however, referred to cannibalistic beings who were not necessarily wolves or hairy men who dwelt in the forest, like the Sasquatch or Bigfoot. But whatever you believe it to be, there is no doubt that the Luke is incredibly dangerous. Stay well away. I got nothing. I got nothing. I nothing. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm. That's, all I've got. <laughs> that's about all the stories we got for you this week. And we sure appreciate you listening. Thank you so much, Jimmy, for being on the show. We'll Thanks for having me, Junebug. Yes, sir, anytime. This has been really fun. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week with another brand new topic. See Good ya. night. God bless you, and see ya. Not banger. We are witches and
1: werewolves. And Mitchell.